From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all, and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.
Happy New Year and welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, we invite a special guest um, on the show to discuss a, a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our special guest is Ali Gonzalez. You've seen her work at Talk Film Society, Dread Central, and Daily Grindhouse. She's also co-host of the Sequels Podcast. Welcome! Thank you! I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, it's so cool, like, putting voices to a face. (laughs) It's weird. It's been really cool. I'm like, oh my god, you are a real person. I know. It's usually the inverse, isn't it? Like, usually you'll talk to someone on the phone or something, and then you don't know what they look like. But I always knew what you guys look like, and now I'm like, oh my god, they have great voices, too. (laughs) So do you. (laughs) Thank you. Of course. Um, So, I... I know you you do a lot of uh, work at like Top Film Society and et cetera and Daily Grindhouse. Um, What do you like to write about? So I am a horror person and I love to write about vampires. I have a column. Hell yes. Hell yes. I was waiting for that. (laughs) Mary Beth loves vampires. Yeah, I have like a bat tattooed on me. They're everything to me because they are um, very queer mythological queer creatures and so that's what my uh, column is about i talk about um how the vampire is kind of like a vessel for exploring queerness in film in a way that is more palatable to a wider audience and yeah that's pretty much what i write about i also write a lot about horror in general over at daily grindhouse it's definitely less specific and then my podcast is about direct video sequels which is so what random. A, what but... a good idea. It's such a good idea, though. <laughs> I love it. At first, I only agreed to do it because I thought they were kidding. But oh my God. <laughs> now we're like 30 episodes deep and I can't get away. <laughs> well, I also have a vampire tattoo. Um, oh. I have plastic vampire teeth tattooed oh, on me. How oh, that's cute. amazing. I know. I wasn't. I really wanted to get a vampire tattoo, but I didn't know what to get. And I was like nervous to get kind of like a scary tattoo. I mean, now I have horror, like actual horror tattoos, but I wanted to get something like a little bit cuter, but a, not super cute. So that was my decision. And I, I love it. I love that. I love that. I have just a regular schmegular bat because I also love bats so much. Oh, bats are the best. Bats are Thank the best. Thank you. But the only downside is people will ask me, like, oh, is that a Batman tattoo? And I'm like, oh, not at all. It's the worst. <laughs> it's just like, the, I feel like that's like always the problem with having tattoos, too. It's like, you think it's so clear, and then people have right. just take it to a whole different place. Like, you're like, I don't understand how you even got there, but... I know. Okay. I know. It doesn't even look like any of the logos, but it's fine. Yeah. I love this tattoo. It's my favorite. And yeah, so I do a lot of writing about vampires mainly. <laughs> okay, so like, what is your favorite vampire movie? If you can pick one. I know that's oh, a really hard I, question. I can definitely pick one. I just wrote about it. Actually, the last um, article was on The Lost Boys. It's okay, I see this. Yes. Yes, yes. I, I mean, there's, I mean, I love every vampire movie. I love Interview with the Vampire. I love all the 70s vampire stuff because that's where you really get into like lesbian vampires. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it all, but The Lost Boys just has this, like, I love, like, a leather-clad vampire. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm very Me too. We, uh, we kind of uh, <laughs> talked about that when uh, when uh, Mary Beth was going through Blade and uh, oh. Stephen Dorff. Mm. Oh, my mm. God. Exactly. Exactly. Steven I love, Dorf. like, those. That era of the vampire is amazing. Like, we have um, Near Dark, too, with yes. Bill Paxson. And La- it's so good. It's amazing. Underworld. 
Underworld is good. I love Underworld too. <laughs> I think, and I fully understand that those movies are like not really actually good. But you know what? Sometimes they're fun. A good, like a like a fun kind of like cheesy vampire movie is the best. I a hundred percent agree. I think they're so much fun. And like I really love Thirty Days of Night. I will champion yep. that movie forever. And I just love when vampires are gross. Like not necessarily sexy vampires, but like monsters. Yes, that's why I really love Buffy because I mean we do get yeah. like. I'm strangely attracted to the vampires in Buffy, but also they are monsters. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. I have that weird tension where I'm like, uh, something is wrong with me, but you know what? It's fine. <laughs> this is my truth. <laughs> have you uh, seen Bliss this year, Allie? No, I have oh, not. You have to see it. You're going to love it. Really? It's, I think you'll love it. I don't know. It's we'll see. So if I get good. the chance, I mean, I, I've heard only great things about it. So if I get the chance, I will watch it. It's definitely, I think it's on VOD now. If you, you know. Oh, great. Especially, I know that, like, it's end of year and everyone's watching a million movies. And also, there's oh, never I enough know. time to ever catch up with everything anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also short, which is. Yes, I have heard it was short and super, like, easy to get through. I'm definitely going to watch it. I don't even know I haven't. I know, like, I think Melissa's, like, in the back. My, my best friend, Melissa, Mecca Melissa, on, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I think she's, like, in extra in that movie. So. Oh, oh she really? Cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yes, amazing. Yes. It's so good. It's so sexy and violent and just what the oh, fuck. Oh, I love those it's two so things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then you have the, you, you mentioned it a little bit, but the sequels podcast. Uh, yes. How, how, how? I, I didn't realize there's that many direct to There uh, video are so sequels. many. There are so many. So even, we cover a lot of Disney movies Disney okay. movies alone, they all have sequels that were direct-to-video. Like, Aladdin has one, mm, Lady mm-hmm. and the Tramp, so that is, like, Lady, a good third Mermaid. of the stuff we do. And then horror has a lot of direct-to-video, too. Like, Hellraiser, um, Hellworld is direct-to-video, and we covered that one, and I fucking love that movie so much. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer... The oh, Chucky right. franchise has a bunch of stuff that's direct to video, so it's actually like really a gold mine. Like I don't think we're ever gonna run out of movies to talk about. Unfortunately. Also, Thirty Days of Night has a direct to video. Exactly. Sequel. That's oh, right. Bring that one oh up, my god. Actually. I I never think about them, but you're absolutely right. There's so many. Even Lost Boys has a direct to video sequels. Oh, it does, doesn't it? That yeah. just came out like a few years ago, right? Yeah. That's oh boy. I yep. forgot about <laughs> that. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. <laughs> um, do you have like an episode that uh, you would recommend to our listeners that would be a good place to start or do you oh, recommend just starting God. at the beginning or... um, I would start anywhere because every episode is different but there are like running gags so if you could start at number one that'd be great but my favorite episode is probably um, Curse of no Cult of Chucky because that's when the gag that I'm only attracted to old villains <laughs> so that's probably my favorite episode well and it's so funny that you like this is something we talked about a couple for a couple episodes is like how direct-to-video used to be such a bad thing yeah and now i mean i know because it's a direct-to-video sequel so it's a different but like direct-to-video now i feel like has a different connotation than it used to just like even a couple years ago absolutely and actually you know the point of the the podcast is i thought apparently my co-hosts disagree <laughs> but i thought it was to kind of shine a light on good quality direct-to-video sequels to kind of you know... okay <laughs> but no 
No, they purposely made me watch Spooky Buddies for Halloween. And I was going to say, oh, I see Spooky Buddies on here. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's Air Buddies, but what? spooky. What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So definitely go check that out. Um, we have a lot of fun over there, and, you know, my co-hosts are great. So. Cool. That's, That's amazing. <laughs> so, um... What have you guys been reaching? Oh, my God. Reaching? I can't. What have I, I, I reach a lot. What have you been reaching Terry? for? What have I been reaching? I've been reaching for the stars, Terry. As you should. Reach, reach for the moon because then at least you'll fall among the stars, isn't that? Shoot it? for exactly. the moon or like yeah. whatever, some shit. Reach, um. yeah. you know. <laughs> I can't even say watching. So reaching, coming, shooting, it's, it's... It's coming out in the new year, but it's still December when we're recording this. And I feel like all of our brains are probably a little bit fried from like mm-hmm. holiday preparation mm-hmm. and just like yes. end of the year garbage. Yes, um, and then Mary Beth and I just did like two massive recordings last week. Like I, I saw you guys sure... did the best horror of 2019, right? Yeah, and then yes. one that's coming out, um, well, the week after we record this is uh, about the decade, and it ended mm. up being like God, like three hours long. Three hours long. That sounds like an amazing conversation to have, though. It was really, it was really awesome. <laughs> um, but in terms of what I've been watching recently, I tweeted about this today. Um, I just watched the Poughkeepsie tapes. For the first time. I have Uh, never seen it. And I don't I don't really know too much about it. Okay, so the Poughkeepsie tapes is a movie that has haunted me for years. Um it's a found footage movie that it's 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 a found footage movie, but it's framed as a documentary about this serial killer who is supposed to be like the perfect serial killer who um does awful horrendous things to his victims who are of all ages and genders and he basically leaves these this huge collection of videotapes where he recorded all of the terrible things he did from like stalking to torturing to killing Mm. um Mm. that's pleasant it's (laughs) (laughs) it's just as awful as it sounds and it's like it puts you in his shoes in the most uncomfortable way possible and like it it was a movie that like I the trailer came out. It was it's one of those movies that was caught in like in like pr- like production hell where it was right. like never actually released. But I saw the trailer when it was first announced, and it was like there's this scene where he's wearing a mask and walking on all fours, Ooh. and like appears out of the, like the corner out of a corner, and that scene has haunted me forever and i never wanted to watch this movie and then for some goddamn reason i was like i'm gonna pitch an idea about this movie to nightmare on film street for a column and kim from kim from the site loves that movie and i thought okay it'll be fine like there's no way it's as bad as i hyped it up to be in my like in my young brain no it was just as fucking bad like (laughs) i appreciated it and like i think it does a really it's very effective but it's like absolutely the most unsettling disturbing movie one of the most unsettling and disturbing movies I've ever seen. Hmm. And is like, it, oh, sorry. Is it basic? Because it, it kind of sounds like almost like a movie full of the tapes from Sinister. Kind of. But like, yeah. it's weird because like you're getting, you, you're from his perspective and he's like just like a person okay. who's like stalking, like stalking women and torturing women. And it's all from his perspective for the most part. Um like it, it tries to be like a mockumentary, which is frustrating at points. When it cuts to like fake FBI agents who are like, "He is the most perfect serial killer," and it is kind of cheesy <laughs> at those moments. But like the found footage aspect is horrendous and just like very chilling. And 
it makes me reconsider liking true crime, which sounds very strange, but it's like something where it's like this actually happens to people, and like I know that like people try to be respectful of true crime, but like this feels very icky. So, like in bad taste. Yeah, it feels like it was in bad taste, and maybe that's the point of the movie, but it just feels like just like watching the continuous torture of women like in in like extreme close up is like a lot to handle. And like of course, like he kills a couple dudes, but the men characters don't get that same treatment as the women right. characters do. There's look, he's an equal opportunity killer, but at the same time, like there are a couple scenes, like some of the most brutal scenes are with women in like these awful close-ups. So, I mean, like, I guess I'm glad I saw it, (laughs) but like I'm never gonna watch it again. (laughs) You just like sold me on not watching. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like that's the thing. It's like it's one of those movies that I feel it's almost like. A Serbian film where like people watch it to be like, I watched this fucked up movie, and then you're like, cool, I never want to watch that. So that's how I feel about it personally. Um, I've heard actually a few good things about it, but I have never wanted to watch it just because everyone says the same thing that it's very like gratuitous violence. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like it's relatively and like it's weirdly well done, which feels very odd to say about something that makes me feel so disgusted. But like. That's a very strange feeling I'm trying to parse out. But yeah, so that's what I watched. I also watched Uncut Gems. Oh my god, I'm going to watch that on Christmas. I'm so excited. On Twitter, someone said I remind them of Julia's character, and I was like, wait, isn't she supposed to be the side bitch? This is the worst. But she's an amazing (laughs) bitch. She's a a bad bitch, though. Okay, okay. That I can, I can, I can, you know, get done with that. It is up to the hype. I was real worried. It's fucking awesome. The thing is, I didn't, like, adore Good Time the way that so, I wanted to. Okay, neither did I. Okay, good, good, good. I liked it, but I didn't get I didn't get the hype. I was like, this is a good movie, but I don't understand why everyone, like, Is worse. obsessed with it that way? Yeah. Yeah, but I felt the same. Uncut Gems, I think, is, like, it's the most stressful experience, but it's so well done. It's amazing. I'm so stoked. I love Adam Sandler. Always have. Everyone sucks. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> Adam Sandler's so good. But they haven't seen his other stuff, like Grown Ups. Where <sighs> were you when Grown Ups was out? Where were you? Exactly. <laughs> but he's amazing in it. Like, people are finally going to take him seriously. But then, like, he's probably laughing to the bank because he's like, I have so much money from all these, like, movies that y'all shit on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so he's fine. He's doing great. He's doing great. But he's so good in this movie. Like, every performance is so good. And, like, Idina Menzel in this movie, oh, too. Oh, that's right. She's in this. Oh, it's just, it's such a stressful experience. But it's, like, everything is just, like, so meticulously planned. It's uh, it's really good. It's I'm like so excited. Hopefully you like it because I was I also was like everyone has been like kind of slobbing on the Safdie's knob on Twitter, <laughs> and I was like they're fine, but now I get it. I have not seen any of their movies. <gasps> Ew. Yeah. They're, a good time is on some streaming platform. I think it's on Amazon Prime. I've it's not, I've I've meant to see it. I just uh, I don't know. You know, time. Just yeah. Sort of, I, if you if you're gonna see anyone, just see Uncut Gems. Yeah. I think you should just skip to, like, that. Because this one feels like what they've been working up to. Okay. Um, they seem to do a really good job with, like, tension and it's, anxiety. Oh. Yes. 
And it's, like, about diamonds. Like, you think it wouldn't be this stressful, but, like, holy shit. I work at a diamond company, actually, so oh, it's going to be Okay, so then you're going to, like, okay, I will be very, very curious to see, like, your very specific perspective on this then. <laughs> I'm super stoked. It's like, hilarious, yeah. too, because, like, I don't know. This is, I, I really don't know, but my company's also Jewish, and I know that Adam Sandler plays, like, a Jewish jeweler. Oh, this movie the- is, like, very Jewish. Exactly. So I'm just like, oh my god, this is about my life. Hopefully it doesn't end the same way, but we'll see. (laughs) I hope yours does not end the same way. (laughs) Oh, cool. Okay, I am very excited to hear what you think of this. I will definitely let you know. (laughs) Um, Terry, what have you been watching, reading, enjoying recently? Um, So by the time this this comes out, uh, you all will be able to watch this, um, but Midnight Kiss... The uh, Into the Dark um, New Year's Eve oh, yeah. episode. Uh, we uh, we kind of talked a little bit about it um, last episode with uh, when um, Jessica Rose brought it up. Brought up that she has been watching the Into the Dark uh, series, but like I was really excited to watch this, and it's it's really good. It's basically a gay slasher. Oh hell yes! Yeah. And it's like. So gay. I mean, the director is <laughs> Carter Smith, who directed The Ruins, and he is he's queer. And then it's also written by, I'm going to mess up his name, Erlinger <laughs> Throdson, who um, wrote and directed uh, Rift, this uh, gay ghost story that you can see on uh, Shudder. Um, and it's um so the movie like i i think the the central mystery behind it like the the who done it slasher aspect of it is a little predictable um but the fact that it has so many queer actors in it and it's telling a story about a bunch of of gay dudes who and kind of digs into um kind of the problems of uh being gay and dating like there's there's definitely a perspective here that um i think a lot of straight audiences might not completely understand mm-hmm. about like how I, I hate to use the word incestual but like how like everyone has slept with everyone else yeah uh. and um so it's it's there's like it, it's it definitely you can tell this was written by a gay man and i think that is absolutely fantastic that into the Dark and Blumhouse is uh, giving voice to these things that probably would not have a mass market appeal, and it's fucking streaming on Hulu. You know, that's kind of cool. Oh, Fuck. I'm definitely yeah. gonna check that out. Yeah, so that um, that one comes out the 27th of December, so it'll be out by the time um, y'all are listening to this. So I, I really recommend uh, going to check that one out. But that's like basically the only thing I've been I've been doing. I've been watch well i guess i've been watching the witcher which eh, we're not gonna talk about that okay (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's that's about that's about it for me what about you Allie? have you been watching anything yes so um i've been kind of i mean i'm not gonna make a best of the decade list just because i the thought of that gives me anxiety because there's so many good movies oh tell me about (laughs) it's really fucking hard (laughs) i can't even imagine because like you forget that certain things even came out this decade, you know? <laughs> right. But I try, I've been yes. trying to rewatch my favorites, and of course, they all hold up. So I saw The, the Witch, which is like my not only my favorite horror movie of the decade, but my favorite movie of the decade, like, period. And um, I rewatched yeah. The Love Witch, which I really love as well. I, I have a thing for witch movies. I think they're super feminist, of course. And Hell yeah. I haven't seen The Love Witch yet. I, I really, either. really want to see it. It's ridiculous. Like, it's so good. 
just looks, because of the way it looks and just the yeah. way the vibe is like so i you have to watch it there's nothing i could say about it that would really do it justice that's what it seems like everyone's like you just have to it's like an experience so exactly i just think like suspiria it. in the way that like it's definitely style over substance but the substance is still really really powerful and really great yeah i really love it Cool. Yeah, I remember uh, Scott uh, Weinberg um, like championing this when it first came out, and I I don't know why I never really saw it, but um, I've been I've been meaning to, and I it it seems to have like resurfaced. I know you were uh, talking about it, and a bunch of other people I've seen have been mentioning it. So I'm I'm gonna have to dig back in. And... You should. It's definitely. Um, at first, I was a little confused about it because um, everyone kept calling it like a feminist masterpiece, and I watched it, and I was like, what? No, this is not. <laughs> this is so problematic. But then upon second watch, you kind of have to keep in mind that it's definitely like satirical. <laughs> so it's it's really great. I think you guys would like it. Hell and yeah. I saw Little Women, which... Yes. Oh my god, was it so good? It was so good. I cried like a baby. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Great. I love the 1994 version with Nona Ryder and Kirsten yes. Dunst and Susan Sarandon. And like, it's like my family's movie because it's most of us... It's Aww. my family, like my mom's side is mostly women. Um... So it's, like, our movie. Because we didn't really read the book, but, like, that movie was, like, our thing. And so I'm so excited for this movie. I think you'll love it. I think they both... Like, I can't even pick one over the other. I actually hadn't <sighs> ever seen the 1994 version until I saw this one. Okay. And I went back and I saw it. And I think they're both fucking great. <sighs> but... What a cast. I'm just what so a cast. excited. What a cast. And, like, what a director. And... It, it oh. is, like, very white. Oh, yes. But, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> little women, you know? Yeah, it's what very I mean. white. But as, like, a Hispanic woman, I kind of couldn't not see that. Yeah. But besides yeah. that, it's, like, an amazing... I mean, it's my number two of the year. Number, number one is one? Long Shot. Is, is what? <laughs> long Shot with Seth Rogen and Charlize Oh, Carol. my God. Is that really that your number really one good. of the year? It is. I Hell love yeah. that movie. I think... I love rom-com, and so recently it's really hard for me to find a rom-com with, like, heart, like, with the real earnest yeah. heart, and I think Longshot has that. I do think its politics are a little, like, weird, but had this come out, like, in the future when we're out of this shithole that we're in right now, or, like, a few <laughs> years in the past, it would have been great. Hell yeah. I need to see it still, but I, lo- you know what? Fuck it. I think Seth Rogen's funny. Like I, I love don't... him so much. I love I, him. It's, it's earnest, and it's really sweet without losing any of its like funkiness so yeah. i think it's really it's yeah i really enjoyed it too i watched it this last month um and i it, it really surprised me because i kind of I, it was like a 99 cent rental on like itunes or something i was like okay i'll give it a shot and i i really i really enjoyed it um, right it's it's a nice watch and i don't know i the, i also do this thing where like i don't about i don't think anybody does if you do, you're lying. I don't evaluate <laughs> movies super, like, matter-of-factly or, like, technically or, like, unbiased. I'm always biased because I have really strong association with, like, an experience yeah. in a film. And so that experience will color the film. And I was watching this on my way to, like, TIFF. And so I just can't, like, I associate the two. And now that's why it's my number one. That's terrible that. to admit. But you know what? It is what it is. No, that's not terrible because I have a similar thing with movies where, like, I associate them with, like, my emotional reaction or, like, where I was at the time. And, like, that's why they're important to me. And, like, I tend to latch on to movies and, like, want to watch some certain movies over and over again because of, like, 
an emotional cord they hit at a certain time in my life. Like, 30 Days of Night, I love that movie because I watched it at, like, a point in high school where I think I was, like, really depressed and I was just, like, trying to figure out what I liked. And I think that was a movie that really struck a chord for me in terms of horror as, like, a high school student. And I think that's why, like, again, like, that movie, I love that movie so much. So. And I mean, I mean I it's, it's partly why I love Call Me. is about. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's true. Yeah. Um, it's, it's why I love uh, Call Me By Your Name. Um, oh, It's just yes. the, the emotional attachment to, yeah. like, the, the, the content and kind of seeing yourself in it just, uh, yeah, it's, it, there's that attachment and it. it colors everything that, that I think about that movie. And that's why, like, people give, like, film writers and film critics shit all the time. And it's like, film criticism is your opinion. And I feel like if you can't, I feel like to me, my favorite writers imbue, like, themselves in their writing and, like, make it more personal. And I know that's not, like, the most professional way to address things sometimes. But, like, that's my favorite kind of film writing. I 100% is, like, agree with you. When you put yourself into it and, like, mm-hmm. relate it to your experience, like, why it matters to you. Because, like... I want to know why it matters to you personally. And like, that's important to me. So yeah. Anyway, that's like a tangent off the long shot, but <laughs> you know what? I'm so glad you said that because it's a hundred percent true because I see a lot of discourse on Twitter. That's like, you can't have a biased opinion or like, if you are thirsty for one of the actors in this film, like it's unprofessional, which I don't know what stance you guys take, but like we're human, right? Like if Oscar Isaac is in a movie, I'm going to be like, hell yeah, this movie rocks. Fuck yeah. Oh, it's terrible right. to talk about like being thirsty for actors all the time. Like, you're, <laughs> it's just like, a thing. like you said, Ali, we're fucking human beings and like exactly. you're allowed to find people attractive and still review a movie and have that not like color your opinion of it. As long as you're like appropriate and you're not like being absolutely disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the actor's gonna fucking read it and he's gonna be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable, obviously. Yeah. But I need to put out a restraining I think, order. I think, <laughs> like, I want to know what this movie means to you. That's why a lot of the writing that I do is never about new releases. I don't cover, like, festivals. I don't do any of that because what people are expecting is, like, objective reviews, like, is it objective or subjective? Objective, right? Objective. Yeah, but, okay. and I, but I was going to say, like, it's so funny because I feel like a re- the objective of an review together is, like, an oxymoron. Like, a exactly. review is supposed to be your subjective opinion of the movie. Like, there's no such thing as an objective review. You're That's impossible. Right. You would, an objective re- review would be, like, this is a movie directed by Gerda Ger- Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. It <laughs> has. Ger- I can't talk. It has this actor in it and this actor in it. That's the objective. That's, like, all you can do. Everything else is is obviously going to be subjective. Otherwise, it's just like you're stating facts, and that's about it. I'm so glad we're all on the same page about this, but I really do believe we're in the minority. I know. I I like, it makes me so sad. (laughs) Um, Anyway, now that we've talked about... Oh, now I want to talk about this all the time. Anyway, um, (laughs) so now that we've talked about what we've been watching and, like, you know, our emotional attachment to films... Ali, what have yeah. you brought with you today? <laughs> that was a good segue. So, we, yeah, right? <laughs> so we are going to talk about 2002's The Ring. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, Terry, do you want to read the plot synopsis? Sure, I can do that. The Ring is about Samara, uh, the most effective indie horror director of all time, who basically turns her audience into the most efficient and unwitting PR team imaginable. Her tagline is, show people my work or die in seven days, and it doesn't leave much leeway. Amazing. Investigative reporter Rachel, played by Naomi Watts, becomes the latest of her press reps when she watches the tape after her cousin mysteriously dies. She has no qualms showing it to her ex, Nolan, played by Martin Henderson, but when her creepy son, like seriously, what the fuck is up with that kid? (laughs) 
Aiden watches it. She has even more incentive to figure out how Samara is killing and why before it is too late. Dun, dun, dun. So that's the ring. Um, but can you can you set the scene a little bit, Allie? Uh, how old were you when you saw this? And um, give us a little bit of that kind of context. So the first time I saw this movie, I was uh, either eight or nine. And I think. Okay, the the reason I saw this movie is because my dad, one Sunday morning, was like, hey, come watch this movie with me. It's really funny. And he showed me. <laughs> really no, <funny. laughs> trust. It wasn't The Ring. It was Scary oh. Movie. Okay. Oh, okay. And, okay. I was like, so, wow, that's so fucked up. I was up. like, oh, oh my God. Okay, whatever. Like, it was funny. And so we were at Blockbuster one fateful Friday night. And my dad points at, I mean, The Ring was on display somewhere, like, in the horror section. And my dad's like, oh, look, that's the movie that we saw. Because he didn't know any better. So. (laughs) Oh, poor innocent dad trying to have, like, a nice Mm -hmm. moment. (laughs) Right. So, whatever. I got it. And um, I (laughs) watched it all the way through. I clearly knew it wasn't the same movie that me and my dad watched. (laughs) But I still watched it. And um, I was never the same after that. I actually didn't watch another horror movie until I was, like, out of high school because oh, I was wow. Oh, my so God. I know, which is crazy because I'm a huge, like, I love horror more than I love anything on this planet, but I didn't watch horror for, like, a long time, you guys, because that movie scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Still does. Wow. Yeah. Um, so do, do you remember, um, in particular, like, like, the scenes or anything that, like, stuck with you that, like, kind of yes. lingered in your mind? Okay, so one thing about The Ring that I think is the reason it scared me so much is because obviously it's about a tape, right? This tape that is, like, haunted. Mm-hmm. But the way the film is edited, <laughs> some of the scenes look like you are watching the tape. Like, yeah. that's yeah. it. That's You're watching the tape. So what is to say that now I'm not going to die in seven days because I'm watching a copy of the tape, am I not? Right. Exactly. Ah, I didn't even think about it like that. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's what like messed me up. I was like, "Holy shit!" Every time the phone would ring, I would be like, "Don't pick it up!" Don't pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> so those scenes in particular, every time we saw the tape, I and there's just something so scary about the way she moves out yeah. of the well. The the weird like montages that have nothing really to do with the well, and it's just it's fucking spooky as shit those parts all scared me and also just the color scheme in the movie it's a very cool tone and it was actually one of the first times i ever saw like a horror movie in that those colors do you know what i mean like yeah like like the the greens yes it's so green it's It's so so green green. but it even looks like a videotape though because i feel like a lot of old vhs tapes have that kind of weird greenish hue so it gives it that same weird feeling yeah, right. when you would like have VHH, v, v, oh God, I can't talk tonight. <laughs> VHS tapes and like they're getting old. It definitely kind of colors that. Yeah, that, that spectrum. I hadn't even thought about that, but that's that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's also the very end. You know, I expected it to end differently. I guess. And yeah. It was really sad, and to know that, like, obviously, what was going on is to be perpetuated fucking scary it's very very scary that is such a scary thing when like you're a kid watching horror movies and that starts happening more and endings and you're like wait 
but I would like everything to be tied up in a nice bow and half a happy ending, please. <laughs> exactly, because that's what you're used to, you know. But yeah, not the case here. Um, no. And I will say, I still to this day can't really watch the movie. Oh, really? Oh, really? Really, I can't. And white noise will always creep me out. Like, I don't fuck uh. with it at all. Um, it, it scares <laughs> the shit out of me. I saw it um, last week when we were supposed to record. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to turn the lights on now. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's awesome when a movie can still, can still do that to you. But I wonder how much of that is because... I remember being so viscerally terrified of it. I mean, as a child. maybe, yeah, because like, so I had actually never seen this movie all the way through because it scared me so fucking much as a kid. Like, <laughs> I had seen like snippets, and I was like, one, it was this movie and The Grudge that like I uh... wanted, so, <laughs> I wanted so badly to watch as like a kid, but I couldn't yeah. like bring up the courage to watch them, and like I hyped them up in my head so much. And, like, the part in the ring is, like, the part that really freaked me out is when she's watching the tape and the, the fly comes out of it. Oh, my gosh. I know. And it's, and- like, for, for some reason, like, that made it feel all the more real. And, like, the threat of Samara felt all the more real because, like, for some reason, the fly was coming out of the tape. And so, I don't know, like, that. And rewatching it, it still did freak me out. And, like, I didn't really appreciate how it built tension. When I obviously first saw when I was like first kind of saw eclipses when I was younger, so right. I think it holds. I think it holds up still. Absolutely, yeah. It's also so so long. It really is it's so long. I did not realize it was two hours long. Well, and it's interesting because like the uh, the original, like it in a lot of ways, um, it it feels very faithful to the the um, the Japanese uh, movie from 1998. But that movie was an hour and a half, and this is like 30 minutes longer. Um, so it's just, it was, it's one of those things that like, it, it feels, um, definitely, um, reverential to it, but also kind of takes it in, an, in a little slightly different direction. Yeah. Um, I had like a different, um, again, cause like I'm old, I'm ancient. Um, <laughs> Dude, I had a... shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, I, I was 21 when this came out and, um, okay. the thing that like, I, I loved it. I thought this movie, it, I remember it kind of was like a sleeper hit. Like it, it was sort of like one of those that sort of just came out of nowhere. And I didn't see it opening weekend because um, I hadn't really heard anything about it. And then all of a sudden the, the, the audience reviews and everything was like, Oh my God, it's the scariest movie ever. So I went to go see it and it, it kind of terrified me to be perfectly honest. Um, and like the thing that, that I remember, I was trying to think back of like what I remembered about this movie. And the big thing that I remember was all of my friends and I leaving voice messages on each other's phone no. saying, seven days. That was like the thing. That was the thing. Like in high school, people would fuck with you all the time saying that. <laughs> seven days. And it was fucking terrifying. It really was. Like I, my, my friends got so mad at me because I would just like leave a voicemail and they'd be like... <laughs> Ali, did you have that experience? No, because again, I was like in the second or third grade, so nobody was watching this shit. (laughs) I was the only crazy person who was like, "This is not the movie my dad said it was." I'm gonna keep watching it though. Yeah, and like I feel like it was like it was like the summer party movie for me when I was growing up. It was like the movie people wanted to watch at sleepovers and scare the shit out of each other. Right. Oh wow. I think uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel like maybe I just grew up in a really weird neighborhood. <laughs> maybe that's it. 
But I, I think the things that like have stuck with me over time, because like I even when I was watching it again, I remembered certain images. I remembered like the brief glimpse of uh, the first victim, Katie, her head rolling forward or backward, I, and like. And then I feel bad laughing because people use it as a meme now on Twitter, and I feel <laughs> bad laughing because it's not funny and it's horrific. But the way it's used now, it's interesting how the internet has changed things. Yeah. But like I remember that, and then the the video itself, uh, the the fingernail going through the nail, like mm. <laughs> I just caught like a chill. <laughs> Those like images just really stuck with me. Um, it, it's surprising, like even without the amount of like gore in it, it's surprisingly uh, potent for a PG thirteen movie. Yeah. So I was talking about that. I think I was watching it, and my boyfriend walked in the room, and I said, "This is a fucking PG thirteen movie." Like it, different, right. I guess. Cause. Right? It's so weird because, like, I feel, and I feel like the gr- I really liked the Grudge, but that's another discussion for another time. Um, I think that was PG thirteen too, wasn't it? It was, yeah. and it's like it's so interesting how PG thirteen horror went from being like as fucking freaky as it was to like teen horror. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Isn't that crazy though? How like that teen horror thing was such a genre, like it was a genre in of in it of itself. In the early 2000s. Right. Right? It w- it's so weird. And that's that's one thing that I really liked about this movie, re- re-watching it now, was, like, the opening scene feels like that kind of classic sacrificial teens, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it, they have, they're dressed up in even, like, schoolgirl outfits, which is sort of, like, a throwback <laughs> to the Japanese, like, schoolgirl yeah. thing. But, like, you know, the, there's, like, the fake phone uh, fake-outs, the, the opening fridge, and you're just expecting someone to be behind it. It, like, it's playful and kind of establishes almost like a... A scream or like a a teen slasher cold open. And then it like completely takes a 180 and we focus on an adult with her with her kid and stuff. It's 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 I just love the way that it kind of like almost bridged the gap between like a teen centric horror and then more of the adult type investigative reporter stuff. Academy Award for Naomi Watts win. Oh, my gosh. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh she's God. so good in this, and she's so cute. I love her. She's good in everything. Yeah, she, she really is. is. And, like, I was scared of her for a while because of this movie. <laughs> really? I was like, she scared you? You know what's crazy? I, 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 think, I think it was... Oh, sorry, what were you saying? No, nothing. Just that this movie came out, like, so shortly after Mulholland Drive. So, like... Oh, my God, it did. I didn't even <sighs> think about that. She doesn't look... She looks like a different fucking person she does. in this movie. So it's just, she's such a great actress. I feel like she doesn't get enough uh, kudos. She's such an amazing actress. She was so good in the new Twin Peaks, season mm-hmm. three of Twin Peaks. She's good in everything. And she wasn't scary in the movie, but I think because, like, she was in the poster and screaming, and, like, I think just her being associated with the movie, like, made me wary of her presence. <laughs> and also, like, just her choice to, like, continue perpetuating the shit just to save her annoying That's what I kid. was thinking. I was like, and... I don't, they probably have, like, some kind of, like, sequel of this about, like, virality and, like, the internet. But it's, like, fascinating to see it as, like, a videotape being passed around instead of, um... Because, like, think about what something like that happened on the internet. Well, I think that's what Rings was, like, in... That was Rings was? That's, okay, that's what I thought. I couldn't remember if it was Like, they actually played the tape on, like, an airplane when everyone's watching the TV. So it's, like, it's it's really interesting. But... It's also interesting how even though it is like a tape, it still scared the shit out of me today. 
Right? <laughs> like, you right. know. But there's something that's, like, so much more tangible about that, too. Like, I think about this a lot in, like, a really dorky way about, like, the tangibility of, like, horror media and, like, being able to have a DVD or a tape. And, like, for some reason, it seems to me, like, having Samara's thing on a tape makes it all the more, like, t- you can touch the tape so it's real and it's much, like, mm-hmm. scarier. There's something that's just, like... This is, like, a very, like, kind of weirdly, like, academic bullshit. But, like, just, like, <laughs> the hapticity. I hate that word. I'm sorry. Of, like, being able to feel a tape makes it scarier. Like, she lives in the tape. Yes. Like, she, right. like she's, like, in, like, the little ribbon. And you could just see her in there. Oh, God, no. Oh. <laughs> Hold up to light and she's there. <laughs> I also totally forgot that, like, everything happens at the end. Like, all of the iconic stuff with her coming out of the TV. Yeah. It's at the end. It doesn't even happen until the end because, like, everything else is just kind of, like, those montages that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It's, like... And, like, the build-up. Right. And then you're like, oh, everything's, like, hunky-dory. And then it's, like, psych! And, oh, boy. That was, like, that's that might be, like, some of the best, like, final ten minutes of a movie. So terrible. So scary. Yeah, well, and like what what I really liked about it watching it this time with with that ending was that um it kind of goes past what is a typical ghost story, you know, at the very end of the day like, you know, ghost stories about trying to right a wrong and like trying to give voice to the ghost. And so she does that. She even puts the the bones of the ghost to rest. She gets that moment and then she's, you know, in the in the aftermath where she's like an emergency blanket having done, you know, her deed and saved Samara, but it's not over yet. And she doesn't she doesn't want someone else to tell her story. She wants to tell her own story. And then she wants it to be spread because she so has so much rage pent up inside of her. And I just thought that was an interesting um, continuation of what we typically see in these types of, of movies. Huh. That's feminist. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, feminist rage in the ring. I actually did read like a piece earlier today about fem- like feminism in this film. And Ooh, so okay. apparently there is um, a short story about yellow wallpaper. Yes. Right. And so um, in oh, that yeah. short story, of course, um, a husband isolates his wife in a room with yellow wallpaper And she starts to go insane because she's Mm -hmm. in solitary confinement, basically. And so she believes that there is a woman inside the wallpaper or, like, inside the wall. So she starts tearing down the wallpaper. And, um, obviously, she's just insane. So her room in the movie has yellow wallpaper, you guys. Oh, my God, it does. Oh, shit. Yes. And what is she doing? Like, what what is she doing? She's She's trying to set her free right she's trying to like lay her to rest finally so i think that's super super like i don't think it's a reach at all wow i just i just got i just got chills holy shit that's interesting when i read that i was like they might have did something (laughs) (laughs) they might have did something so i like have a new appreciation for this film because of that. I hadn't even thought about that. Fuck. Yeah. And now I have to go rewatch it because that's such a cool lens to look at this Right. Through. I'm gonna, oh I'm definitely gonna God. find the piece because I think it's like, I want to 
share it with people because it's really good and then i'll just send it to you guys so you guys can like maybe yeah, tweet we'll it out when you tweet out the yeah we'll, li- we'll link to it and everything because i i want to read that and i'm sure lots of other people would because i just love when people bring those kinds of like analysis into horror it's just it's such a cool thing people are so smart they're so smart it's just so <laughs> smart it's ridiculous how smart people are like how smart you two are i just you guys oh, all of the horror writers are just You're so smart blush sorry i just have a lot of feelings (laughs) yeah i get like that too like when i read this i was like oh my god horror is the best thing to ever exist right it really is it really is just like there's so many like this is like why like when people put their emotions into it because i feel like they're they they bring like so much more nuance and complexity to horror and i just feel like maybe i am biased because i'm a horror writer but i just feel like because horror is so is all about emotional response i feel like it gets just like the best criticism and the best pieces because right. people dig so deep with these and movies like, how could it not be you know right? it's like one of the most visceral emotions and i think that that's why horror is such a successful genre because you can feel love and you can feel laughter and you know uh what else i don't fucking know drama but like there's something about fear that lingers after the way that other genres don't do yeah that makes horror like something so moving I, that's why I, I loved one of my favorite pieces i've ever written is actually the one that i wrote for gaily dreadful on hell hellraiser <laughs> because Aww. it really made me remember kind of mm-hmm. like what that movie meant for me as like a queer woman yeah and i think films like the ring or like horror in general is very very much that for people who have been considered like the other their whole life right and so feminist masterpiece the ring Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm I'm down with that that take. Yes, yes. We're gonna adopt that. We're gonna spread that take spread like wildfire. Gospel. Can you make t shirts? <laughs> yes, the ring is a feminist masterpiece. I feel like Terry and I like will say like put on a t shirt so much so we just gonna have to we're gonna have to make um merch for the podcast and that will be one of them. Absolutely. You guys Oh yeah. You guys have a Twitter, right? Like for yeah. the podcast? Yep. Yes. Okay, great. I'm gonna plug that shit when we get off this hell yeah <laughs> uh so what, what do you guys think about looking back at it now i mean i know um i know ali that you said that like it's still you don't like watching this movie no. but you managed to like get it get a watch in for this uh but wh- i i think it's aged really well what do you guys think i definitely think it's aged well i think it's still like it still made me like get goosebumps and it's still like the part where like the horse jumps off the ferry which is another like really traumatizing scene like those parts are just so effective and i just feel like it was a movie that didn't try to like rely too much on like special effects or anything crazy it just leaned into like a really creepy story really well i think there's a lot to be said about how iconic this movie has been in pop culture in general um because everyone knows the ring or like if they see a girl with long hair who do they compare her to right like yep, even right. if they're not fans of horror so i think there's a lot to be said about that and oh, yeah how widely like well received this movie actually was because it's a really good film like technically it's great it's well written mm-hmm. so i think because of those two reasons alone it holds up really really well yeah and you know the thing is like a lot of people uh get and i i'm I will admit, I kind of fall into this trap too. get angry at like American remakes of foreign films. But yeah. to be perfectly frank, if it weren't for this movie and The Grudge, I probably would not have discovered Asian mm-hmm. horror when I exactly. did. Yeah, I, I have the exact same feeling. 
Like it made me go back and look look for Ringu and look for the Grudge Juan, and then it like opened me up to this other subset of horror that I I never knew existed when I was when I was growing up. So like, I I, th- I think yeah, you know, it's it's easy to get angry that that there was talk about remaking Train to Busan and all this other stuff, but like, I, someone is gonna watch it and be like me and decide to go dig and discover a whole treasure trove of new cinema that they never knew existed. That's true. I'm always supportive of like remakes. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I agree for the most part. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it, it gets, it is frustrating and it it is an easy cash grab grab in some ways, but like, yeah, but it is a good point that it is like a way for people to access something or they like, learn about something that they wouldn't have known about before that's a much more positive outlook than me just being like americans are stealing everything from yeah. other countries colonizers forever like <laughs> no I, and that that is obviously a very valid read of it definitely i just i remember when i watched this i literally went and like searched and went on ebay and tried to find a copy that i could like buy of of ringu and i it just so i i, I think that 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 is one of the good things that can come out of it yeah, I agree. That's a very I like that I like that positive outlook. We love positivity on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What do you guys think of the sequels? <laughs> I haven't seen any of them because I just have a I just don't I don't know. I think they're fine. Yeah. You'll find I'm not really like and this is why I can't be a critic. I'm not critical. <laughs> I fucking love movies. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna bash a sequel just because it's not like as good as the original i try to watch it in its own right and i really think they're fine like they're fine maybe i'll give them a chance then because i i'm i think not as much as i used to be i was like unnecessarily hard on sequels so i'll give it a try they're not great by any means but like, I tweeted watched. today. I could not get through Ring Two. I saw your tweet. You're I like, tried. No, I'm just gonna watch the original. I tried so hard, I, but it was a moment when there's deer attacking the car. I was like, "Yep, I'm done." Wait, the girl, um, Jen from Revenge is in Rings. Is she really? She's Julia, the main what? character, Matilda really? Lutz. Damn. Damn. Wow. Thank you, Letterboxd. Well, and it's so oh. and it's interesting because, like, in Japan, there's, like, a ridiculous, like... It's, like, some of the sequels are actual sequels and others are not canon. Oh, my God. And it's, like, a very ridiculous, like, I, I can... On Wikipedia, it's, like, this, like, weird diagram of, like, the sequels of The yep. Ring and, like, which ones are actually canon and which ones are not I actually included that in my re- review of Sadako. Yes, that okay, that's and... where I found it. Terry, that's where I found it, because I was, I was writing the review of Sadako, which is the newest version of The Ring in Japan that came out this year, and it was fucking awful. Oh, it was <laughs> terrible. But, like, I looked up, like, how the ri- like, what the Ring chronology is, and it's ridiculously complicated. It really is. Well, I remember in in Japan they released the Ring or Ring Ringu, and then Razin or Raisin at the same time they released the sequel to it, and it was such so critically panned, and like the audience hated the sequel that they ended up a year later doing Ring Two, and then that kind of like split the the timeline in terms of the movie. It's it's kind of crazy. It's wild, but like it's a beloved franchise. It is. 
Yeah. Um, so like one of the things we did is we, we reached out to people on Twitter and asked them to like give their thoughts. And there's a couple that are really kind of funny. Uh, this uh, one from at the Kyle Simpson, he says his memory of seeing the ring. He was 12 years old, hadn't seen the movie in theaters, but his mom knew as my mom knew I was a huge horror fan. So she bought me the DVD just because she thought I might enjoy it. She hadn't seen it either. That <laughs> night after my little brother went to bed, we watched the movie together. I remember I was lying on the floor and she was on the sofa. I was transfixed by the movie. It's still one of my favorites. Towards the end of the movie, when Noah's television turns itself on, we were both on the edge of our seats. And then when Samara's arm came through the screen and landed on the floor, my demure Christian mother screamed out, oh shit, and jumped about a foot in the air. <laughs> oh, my, yeah. That's a cool story because my mom, had she been watching it with me, she would have shut that shit off immediately <laughs> in this Catholic household. We don't watch movies like this. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that's we, hilarious. We got some really good emails about this movie and just we did. about how so many people were scared shitless as kids by this film. Yeah. This other one I really want to share from Braden Chittick. He didn't um he they didn't provide it. I'm not sure um their Twitter account, but they say that uh when I was nineteen, a screenwriting teacher lent me her copy because I was writing a horror movie and hadn't seen it yet. At around midnight, in the dark, right as we see the girl in the TV for the last time. My laptop goes dead. Miracle and RA didn't give me a noise complaint. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. I can't imagine that. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, and um, I actually got a Twitter DM, not about the ring, but about when I talked about how I was terrified of de- how I'm terrified of demons. Mm-hmm. Nina Nesseth messaged me and said that she was also raised with crazy parents who believed in demons and instilled a like deep-seated fear of, of them. So I am not the only one who was like there you go. Was, was made to be terrified of demons, even though I'm not Catholic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> is she uh, a demon? Is that what we're calling her, or is she a ghost? Like, what would you guys? Oh, I was always thinking. I always like my gut was to call her a ghost. Yeah. As someone who's like obsessed with horror, I still don't know. Like, I don't. I need to really figure out the classifications yeah I'm like oh she's a demon child but because she's not like demonic right she's just yeah because there's no like actual girl. association with the satanic right hmm. i think it's kind of like the the whole idea of like for, for me at least the of uh the, the take on like ghosts where it can like leave like an impression on something or like not necessarily maybe like a haunting so much is like just a, a feeling um, I kind of th- I feel like the tape is that kind of haunted oh. aspect of Ooh. it, where it's like so much rage and so much anger that it just sort of like materializes, and that's how I kind of saw it. Okay. I know that like um, in in the the Japanese version, it was a yuri. I don't know how to pronounce. Oh it. yeah, yeah, because I feel like in Japanese culture they have much more like specific classifications for like vengeful female ghosts, like yuri. Yes. Um, yes. And they're, like, Japanese supernatural, like, the like pantheon of ghosts and creatures is amazing. Like, they have such interesting, like, specific classifications for ghosts that I love. And that's, like, maybe one of the things that doesn't translate so well from, like, Japanese, the Japanese version to the American. It's, like, how they interact with the, with the dead and spirits. That says a lot about our culture, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It does. <laughs> And I think the grudge kind of has has that same kind yeah. of aspect to it. 
Can you guys believe I've never seen it? You've never seen The Grudge? No, I know because I was so fucking terrified of The Ring. I thought The Grudge was the same vibe. Okay, that's that's like valid though because I had the same feeling that they were like the same goddamn movie because of the long hair and like the white long hair. Um, Yeah, I was like, I'm good. (laughs) I I got enough. Really like The Grudge. I do. I really like The Grudge too. Um, I want to actually. I really want to rewatch it after watching The Ring. I was like, fuck yeah, I need to watch The Grudge. I know. I was thinking about that too. I might actually watch it tonight when we're done. I know. <laughs> so they come out like relatively close to each other. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, so in a couple of years um, at least. Yeah, the grudge is 2004. So like they're like, oh shit, we gotta like cram out all of these like oh Japanese God. remakes, which became like kind of a problem. I mean, there's so many that aren't good because they were just sort of like cash grabs. Going back to like some of the bad stuff that can happen out of American remakes. I can't even look at these pictures. Like, they're terrifying. Of the grudge? Or... Yes! So scary. Oh, so good. I, I, <laughs> I, I have, like, I remember that movie. In, in some ways, that movie kind of scared me more than The Ring. But, like, it's because, like, you couldn't escape the rage. <laughs> Just... I'm terrified I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Like, this is just bringing up so many, like, images in my mind and now I'm just, like, going to be looking at this long-haired child <laughs> while I try to go to sleep. Oh. And that movie was so weird. The cat, the boy that's, like, meowing like a cat. <laughs> like, that's like a so whole much... thing in Japanese folklore, too. Yeah. There's so much weird, like, <laughs> stuff that just got under my skin. Right. <laughs> well, thank you, Allie, for for joining us to discuss Ooh, uh, the ring. Um, where can the listeners find you, and do you have anything upcoming or anything you'd like to plug? Yes. So um, we've already mentioned it, but I do have a podcast. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts, but I prefer Spotify, and it's Sequels S E E Q U E L S. You can find me on Twitter at sick underscore underscore six six. And I finally brought back my column from the dead. Bloodlust is over at Talk Film Society, and that's yes. where I talk about gay vampires. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love it. Gay vampires. Hell yeah. They're all gay. Flat <laughs> <laughs> um, but so listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Uh, what was your experience with The Ring? A lot of you have already emailed us. We'd love to hear other people's reactions to it. Um, send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com and you know we might just feature you in an upcoming episode you can also reach out to us on twitter Um, the podcast is at scarredpodcast and I am at mbmcandrews and I'm at Gailey Dreadful like I said don't forget to tag us if you want to ever talk about any movies on twitter and don't forget to review rate and subscribe Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork, Sean Keller for our badass music, and thank you to everyone for listening. Stay creepy. And until next time.
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 